This, this is the Pat O'Keefe Show. Yankees-Astros game four, weather permitting, 7-0-7. Yanks trail the series, of course, three games to nothing. That's pretty much all we're talking about today. It's an NFL week. I mean, it's amazing. It's still a baseball town. Uh, it's NFL week seven. The Giants are 5-1. and one. They have the second best record in the NFL, and they just kicked off. The Jets are 4-2, and two, surprising the heck out of everyone. And we're on the New York Jets station, and we have Jets pregame coming up in less than an hour at 2 o'clock as they get set to take on the Broncos in Denver at 4.05. And it's wall-to-wall Yankees, and it should be, because it's a baseball town for the most part, and it's the Yankees. It's, it's the New York Yankees. And it's a blessing and a curse. And when you don't play well and you don't perform to expectations, it can become a curse. Giants are moving the ball on their first drive in Jacksonville. We'll continue to monitor that. But we have plenty more people that want to weigh in with the Yankees now one loss away from elimination. 1-800-919-3776. If you want to join the conversation, let's go to Steve in New Jersey, who was at the big ballpark in the Bronx last night. Steve, how you doing? Hi, Pat. How's it going? Good, thanks. Uh, so... I was at the game yesterday, and, you know, just my section, everyone was saying, you know, why can't they string together a base hit and everything? And, you know, I've been watching games pretty much almost every game all year. And in the playoffs, I noticed that in the dugout, they're not watching the game. They have iPads out. They're all looking at the iPads. They're trying to break everything down. And they're just not watching the game in front of them. And it it blows my mind that you have the front row seats of the game. You're playing the game. But yet you're trying to break things down with your hitting coach on an iPad. Bottom line is everyone's getting under the ball, hitting it directly back into the backstop, or skying it right into the air. This team is reminds me of the Texas Rangers of the late 90s. You have a bunch of power hitters, and all of them do the same exact thing. High strikeouts, you know, low, low singles, low doubles. And it, it's made a really boring game. Everyone in my section just kept going, can someone hit a single? Can someone hit a double? Enough with the home runs. It's, I understand baseball is moving in the analytic direction, but it, it's becoming boring, and it's becoming kind of like a math class rather than a, a game that I enjoyed growing up watching. Steve, it's a good point. And I will say this. Um, those Texas Rangers teams, and thanks for the call, of the late 90s, that lineup scared me a heck of a lot more then this Yankees lineup scares me. Even though the Yankees had their way with them in the playoffs, those were great Yankees teams. They beat them in 96, they beat them in 98, and I believe they beat them also in 99. But with Juan Gonzalez and Will Clark and Rusty Greer and Ivan Rodriguez, and those were great Texas Rangers lineups. Those problems for those teams were they didn't have any pitching. As the Giants marched downfield on their first drive, it's about a 35-yard touchdown pass from Daniel Jones to Darius Slayton in the corner of the end zone. Great catch by Slayton. He bobbled, and I think they're reviewing it, but it looks like he got both feet down. He did bobble it. It was a great throw by Daniel Jones. So if this stands, it would be 6 nothing Giants uh, with the extra point pending. So great first drive for Big Blue. Yeah, I mean, the whole, the whole thing is flawed, and I just think it's gone too far the other way. And that's an interesting point about not watching the game. I guess... You know, it, with technology and analytics and, and all this new age stuff that is involved in the games, I mean, they've certainly so, uh, sold that to the people who are in charge, you know, the owners and the general managers, because in the Yankees case, Steinbrenner and Cashman, they're all in on that. But you'd be hard pressed to convince me that there isn't something to just watching the game and learning from that. 
And whatever they're doing right now is not working. Let's go to Mike in Manalapan. Mike, what's up? Hey, Pat. How you doing? Good. How are you, man? I'm doing great. Hey, uh, I was originally calling in about uh, Spike and whatnot. Um, I, I got to say, man, I, I love hearing myself talk. I, I think you have me beat on it. I mean, you go on and on and on. I mean, I, I feel like Sunday shows are made by the callers. Okay. And it's well, just... I, well, I mean, then, it's then, just then do wild. me a favor. You're a caller. Why don't you make the show for me? Go ahead. What's your point? Okay, my po- my point is that I mean Spike no, called no, in no earlier. No pressure, in the no season. pressure or nothing. Let's it's time for you to make my show. So come on. Okay. So my point is about Spike calling in, other fans calling in how great the Yankees lineup was. We all knew it was terrible. Cashman did a horrible job putting it together. And then last night you have Cole in. He's your thirty five million dollar guy. You have Boone come out with bases loaded. He gave up no big hits. Cole you could see was pissed off along with everybody else, and Boone comes in, brings in Trevino, that makes no sense. Your, your season's on the line. Your pitching is what you got you there. The only reason they scored the first two runs was because of a blooper or errors by, you know, uh, Judge and the center fielder. And then he comes in saying that you get a better shot with him. Uh, Cole was pitching great. He's had his hiccups, but he's been stepping up in the playoffs. You don't take your horse out. If you're going to lose the season – Lose the season with your ace on the mound, with your guy that you believe in. Just shows Boone has no faith in his guys and is all about the analytics. And the gentleman saying that they're looking at the iPads. I mean, that's, that's just how it is now. They're talking to, I mean, they need to learn how to – they're not going to learn how to change their way of hitting the ball. This is how they do it. That's this true. is who Cashman gets. This that's is who true. Cashman gets. They're not going to change their approach, and it's, it's unfortunate. Glaber Torres swinging for homers. Look – the, the Yankees, I think, the one statistics is they have, like, two earned runs in the whole postseason. They just don't have the right team. This happens year after year. They're built to be a great pre, uh, regular season team, but in the postseason, they can never get hits. They're swing or miss guys. It's ridiculous. And this is finally showing the Cashman just can't do it. Without Judge, the best player on the team, if you take any other best player off of another Major League Baseball team, clearly there's a drop-off. But if you take Judge off this Yankees team, they are terrible. And that is a complete reflection on Cashman and the team he put together. He just doesn't do it. He, and the other thing about uh, Steinbrenner spending the money, Steinbrenner doesn't want to spend it. Cashman is just, he's too, ar- not ar- maybe arrogant, but I mean, come on, man. Change it up a little bit. you got to do something different. It's the same thing every postseason. They were lucky they beat the, 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 the Indians, for gosh sakes. It's just, it's the same thing over and over again. And at some point, Hal, even though he's making his money, I mean, at some point you've got to win a championship. And I'm so sick of Cashman saying it's, you know, the one year they got to 2017, we're all about championships. Hey, buddy, win one. Win one, and then maybe you can talk about two. Because the teams you put together the last decade have been complete failures. And it shows every postseason. Hey, Mike, I'll jump in. I'll thank you for the call, and I agree with most of what you just said. Uh, you, you're, you're spot on, you're, with, with everything except your analysis of my show, but I'll forgive you for that. But no, you're, you're spot on. And, I, I, you know, you look back at this recent run of Yankees performance. 2017 is the only year, go back year by year, 
2017 is the only year in which the Yankees did not finish with a World Series championship, but the year was not considered a disappointment. Because if you go back to 2017, you were building something. You know, 2016 is when they traded Beltron and Chapman and Andrew Miller at the trade deadline, and they were really going to concentrate on giving the kids, the baby bombers as we called them at the time, an opportunity. And Judge and Sanchez were now in the starting lineup. Uh, You had Tyler Austin, who was a part of the mix back then. You had traded Chapman for Glaber Torres. You had traded Andrew Miller for Clint Frazier. You were going to commit to those guys. And you were looking at 2018-2019 as that being the core of a team that could contend. And now all of a sudden, in 2017, they get the wild card and they find themselves in Game 7 of the ALCS against this juggernaut Astros team. And they were shut down in Game 6 and 7. And those two games to end the season were a disappointment. But that playoff run, the Yankees overproduced what the expectations were. And ever since then, it hasn't happened. 2018, you lose in the ALDS to the Red Sox. That was a disappointment because the Yankees had won more than 100 games that year. 2019... You face Houston again, you lose in the ALCS again. Disappointment. 2020, ALDS, you lose in Game 5 to Tampa Bay. Disappointment. 2021, we know that was a disappointment, losing the wild card game to Boston. And here we are again. When you looked at the Yankees in the middle of June and they were on pace to win 115 to 120 games, you were saying at the time, this season must get to at least the World Series for it to be a success. And we are one loss away from that not happening once again for a 13th consecutive year. We'll take a break here. This This is the Pat O'Keefe Show. A winnable game for the Jets, but Denver does have a very good defense. The Mile High City, always a tough place to play. And just like I said regarding the Giants, the same thing applies to the Jets. Uh, The Jets and their fans are in no position right now to take any game lightly. So go out, continue to do what you've done. I think they're going to have a hard time moving the ball in the passing game. But go out and continue to make plays on defense, continue to make those timely plays on offense and get another victory because it's there for you. You know, you're not in Kansas City, you're not in Buffalo, you're not in Philadelphia, you're not playing one of these upper echelon teams on the road. You're playing a team that's 2 and 4 that has struggled and that has its backup quarterback Brett Rippon starting. So go get that game. Stream live sports and original content with ESPN Plus today. You get access to the award-winning 30 for 30 library, unrivaled UFC access, including exclusive pay-per-views, live coverage of 35 PGA Tour events each year. Get the ESPN Plus and Disney Plus bundled today and watch ESPN Originals, the 30 for 30s, the entire Disney and Marvel library, and more. Stream anytime, anywhere. Go to ESPNNewYorkBundle.com to learn more. Let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Jonathan calling in from L.A. What's up, Jonathan? Hey, how's it going, Pat? Uh, Good. I mean, first of all, you do a great show. I don't know what that other caller was talking about. I love listening to you. I've been listening to you since you started about two Thank hours you, Jonathan. Ago. Thank you. You always love the show, but... Man, I'm just calling from LA. I'm I'm sad. I'm down, and you could just imagine all these Dodgers fans just telling me like, "Oh, see, that's why you're Yan- Yankees choke." Like, is it even good for the body to even be stressed out for this team like this right now? Because we're already down three zero, man. I don't honestly, I don't even watch this game tonight. 
I'm not even watching football. I'm just like, I was telling the, the guy that answered me, the, before, um, I just want to look at the sky, go out for a walk to the park, because this team stresses me out a lot, Pat. And that's it, man. I mean, I hope I'm the only Yankee fan stressed out like this, because it, 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 it's hitting a toe already that I don't even want to watch baseball anymore. This team is just crazy, man. But once again, Pat, Good show. Keep doing what you got to do, man, and go yank. Thank you. Jonathan, thanks for the call, man. I appreciate the kind words. I mean, look, you get stressed out because you care. You invest a lot of time and money and energy and emotion into being a fan of this team. And when their season comes to an end, which is inevitable, it's very depressing. That's the you know beauty and curse of being a sports fan. That's why you know we're together for this three-hour show on this Sunday, talking about sports, talking about the Yankees, talking about what went wrong, talking about how, if at all, you can fix this because it's something that a great many people care about. I don't have high hopes for tonight. The only the only reason I have for optimism tonight is that you have Nestor Cortez on the mound, and Cortez has been the Yankees' best pitcher all season long. Uh, he took the ball in Game 5 against the uh, Guardians on three days rest and pitched extremely well. Granted, that Guardians lineup does not in any way, shape, or form resemble what he will face tonight, but he's a gamer. He's a tough dude. Uh, He's pitched well against all competition this season, and you feel comfortable with him on the mound as much, if not more so, than anybody else on the roster. Although, like I said earlier in the show a couple of times, I do think it's important to point out Garrett Colt. And yeah, Colt still has his shortcomings, and one of them is he's still not great at handling adversity. But I do think that Cole has redeemed himself quite a bit during these playoffs in the three starts that he has made so far, including yesterday when he was excellent. And I thought it was silly to take Cole out with the bases loaded and nobody out in the sixth inning. It didn't make sense to me at the time. Uh, And obviously, you know, history was not kind to that managerial decision by Aaron Boone as all three runners who were on base ended up coming around to score. All right, let's go to Angelo on Staten Island. Angelo, what's going on, man? Good afternoon, Pat. And uh, I don't want to belabor another point, but apparently that two callers ago doesn't listen to too much New York sports radio because you're awesome. You're letting the upset Yankee fans vent today, and uh, you're giving them plenty of time to talk, so I don't know what he's talking about. But the real question I had was, so game one, we went with Torres, Judge Rizzo, Stanton, Donaldson. That was, that was your top five. Now, IKF was batting eighth. In my opinion, did you believe that second game? was a panic move, now going to Peraza at short and then dropping Glaber down to fifth and moving Bader up when he had to hit a home run. I mean, do you, do you agree that, to me, I feel like offensive and defensive continuity is so important? Because now even something as simple as now Stanton's in left and now if whoever's playing short is going back on a pop-up, are they as comfortable with if you have Cabrera in left and you know he's going to come in and charge and make the play? I, I just, just wanted to hear your take on the continuity of these drastic lineup changes and drastic position changes. Have a great day, and let's go Yankees tonight. We'll, we'll, one game at a time. One game at a time. Have a good day. Angelo, thanks for the call. You know, I just think that there's such a mismatch in this series, and the offense is performing so poorly that it's just like throwing darts for Aaron Boone. But it's interesting because all season long, and go back to what made the Yankees play so well the first two and a half months of the season. It was actually a different emphasis than in years past. They got rid of Gary Sanchez, who was 
classic swing from your heels, low batting average, can run into about 25 home runs a year if all things work out right, and also very poor defensively behind the plate. They moved on from him, and they set about shoring up their defense. They got Glaber out of shortstop. They moved him back to center. That improved, or second, excuse me, that improved your defense at shortstop, and it got Glaber's bat going back to where it was a couple of years ago. Uh, you strengthen your shortstop defense with IKF. You strengthen your defense behind the plate with the uh, combination of Trevino and Kyle Higashioka. The trade for Harrison Bader, when you got rid of a valued starter in Jordan Montgomery, was made with the idea of strengthening your defense in center field. But the Yankees' offense in this series has been so bad that they've kind of had to forego the optimal defensive lineup just to try to get any bat in the lineup that works. They lost confidence in IKF at shortstop. That's why they moved away from him. Yes, he puts the bat on the ball, but his OPS is very low, and he's not a huge factor in the lineup. So if you don't have confidence in him defensively, there's no place for him. So yes, in game two, I do think they were trying to catch lightning in a bottle with Oswald Peraza, and he played excellent defensively. That's why I was surprised he wasn't back out there yesterday. Oswaldo Cabrera, the other young rookie, who could play all over the field. He's exciting. He's athletic. He got some big hits in the regular season. He's done nothing in the playoffs so far. I was surprised to see him at shortstop yesterday instead of Peraza. All things being equal, if neither one of them is hitting, Peraza's the superior defensive player at shortstop. But this is what happens when it's all kind of falling apart around you. And it'll be interesting to see what Aaron Boone comes up with tonight for the Yankees lineup. When everything around you is falling apart, you don't have the luxury to, okay, yeah, let me put my best defense out here. Let me shore up my shortstop, my center field, my, my catcher. It's like, no, I got I to gotta find nine guys who I think can put the bat on the ball. You know, that's why he's searching with Matt Carpenter. He wants to try to get Carpenter going, so he puts him in the lineup, which means that you got to put Stanton in the outfield because Carpenter's only a DH right now. You want to keep Cabrera in the lineup somewhere. He wasn't ready to pull the plug on the Josh Donaldson experiment. Cabrera couldn't play left because Stanton wasn't left. Obviously, center field and right field are taken. First base and second base are taken. You wanted Cabrera's bat in the lineup, so where did that leave him? That left him at shortstop yesterday. And of all the shortstops on the roster, Peraza, Cabrera, IKF, Cabrera's probably the weakest defensively. But that's where Boone is right now. But to go back to the earlier point, when the Yankees were playing so well earlier in the season, it was because of defense. They were putting the bat on the ball. They were running the bases more aggressively and more effectively than in years past. But all of that has gone away in these playoffs. And it's different. It's different when you're facing better competition. The Astros pitchers are excellent. They have shut the Yankees down start to finish this entire series. And now they got a guy pitching today who shut them down in Game 7 of the 2017 ALCS Game 7 in Lance McCullers. Came out of the bullpen, threw curveball after curveball after curveball, and the Yankees' season ended that night in Houston five years ago. And he's got a chance to end their season again tonight. This This is the Pat O'Keefe Show. All right, so the Giants trail 8-7. Jacksonville, after the Giants marched down the field and Daniel Jones hit Darius Slayton for a 32-yard touchdown, Jacksonville marched right down the field themselves. Travis Etienne 
a seven-yard touchdown run, and then he ran in the two-point conversion. So it's 8-7 Jacksonville. Giants have just punted, so the Jags with the ball in the first quarter about four minutes ago. I told you this is a dangerous spot for the Giants. Uh, guard against the overconfidence. Just because you beat the Packers in London, just because you came from behind and beat the Ravens last week, don't look at this 2-4 and four Jacksonville team and think that they're going to roll over. This is a talented team. Uh, ETN is interesting because... He's had a couple of huge drops uh, late in games in the red zone. Other than those infractions, Jacksonville could be 3-3. Three and three. They could be 4-2. and two. So they're a team with the talent to be one that's competing for the AFC South Division. This isn't the Jacksonville Jaguars franchise that had the number one pick in the draft last year uh, and the year before. Urban Meyer's long gone. Doug Peterson's in charge now and went for two and, and got it. All right, let's go to Artie in Brooklyn. Artie's been waiting uh, through our Yankees conversation for a long time today, wanting to weigh in on the Jets. Jets pregame show coming your way about 25 minutes from now. Uh, Artie, I appreciate your patience. How you doing? Hey, Pat, thanks for taking the call, man. I appreciate it. My pleasure. What's on your mind? All right, so, um, you know, if you told me that the Jets were going to be in this position, I mean, how can you not be happy, you know? But these games that you go in, I'm not used to as a Jet fan going into a game and expecting to win. And, and, that, and that's, you know, if Wilson was quarterback, as bad as he's been playing, I would say it's a tough game. I'm not going to say it's not a tough game, but I'd be disappointed if they walk out of Denver not being 5-2. and two. And then, but I am not, not, even at 5-2, and two, I am not going to say that P word because I've seen enough Jet games to know Okay, that um, you could go five and two and win all these games. To me, this is so far, it is fool's gold if you start looking. And it all comes down to Wilson. Okay, he's still got less than 60% of passing rating. Um, they got him running around, I don't know, keeping the ball and stuff like that at 6'2. I think he weighs like less than 200 pounds. I don't know what they're doing. You know, they had a lead and they're doing keepers on him and stuff. He's running around like it's a schoolyard. He could get he could get hurt and season over and stuff like that. And his, but I'm still happy. I just need to see more from Wilson. Playoffs is is great, but to me, it's more can Wilson be the franchise quarterback? And right now, they're they could be five and two, and yet you, the, the question is still unanswered. I'd love that fourth quarter comeback in Pittsburgh, but yet he's got to be he's got to show me more. And I want to know your take on it. And as far as Elijah Moore, I mean, I heard, you know, um, the guy in the, the Giants, he was saying, you can, listen, nobody's going to be talking about somebody else's money and stuff like that. If that's the case, if guys are coming in there more worried about what they're making and their stats, how the heck are you going to build a team? To me, I would just get rid of them. Because I've seen what Shockey did to Eli. I've seen what San Antonio Holmes did to, to, um, to Sanchez. Okay, it is a bad spot as a quarterback, especially a young one, where you have a quarterback saying, me, 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 I'm not targeted enough. That forces you to make picks, and I'm telling you right now, that Denver defense, look for it. And one more thing about Sauce. People, don't forget, he was the second quarter cornerback taken. I don't think the Texans made a mistake not knowing what they were doing. This guy does not want it. He's a free safety to me. He is Deion Sanders. That dude, you run a sweep his way, you run a screen, he's going out of bounds. He wants no part of tackling anybody. He is great.
covering straight up the field, but let me see this guy cover somebody like Edelman and someone like that. He's, it's not happening. All right, Pat, thanks for taking the call. Hey, Artie, you waited two hours, and that was a great call. So the wait was worth it. I appreciate that. I agree with a lot of what you said. Uh, First, regarding uh, the Jets and the Broncos today. Yeah, I mean, look, you're spot on about the Broncos' defense. Broncos are 2-4. and They're 2-4 and because their offense stinks. Russell Wilson might be done. He's now injured, and their head coach has been clueless at the end of two games right now. They handed two games away. The first game of the season, Monday night, when they lost in Seattle, he handed that game away the way that Nathaniel Hackett managed that game down the stretch. They lose to the Seahawks 17-16. And then there was a Thursday night a couple of weeks ago against the Colts where both teams were just brutal, but for 58 minutes, the Colts were more brutal. And instead of kicking a field goal at the end of regulation that would have put the Broncos up by six against the Colts team that had done nothing all game long, they tried to go for it on fourth down. Wilson threw an interception. The Colts end up driving down the field to tie the game and winning it into overtime. So if Nathaniel Hackett, if somebody just tied up the head coach for Denver and locked him in a closet for three and a half hours during their games, they would be four and two right now. But that's not because of their offense. It's because of their defense. They allow 16 points to Seattle. Seattle's got a good offense. They allow nine points to the Texans. They allow 10 points to San Francisco. Yeah, the Raiders got them for 32 points, but their last two weeks they allowed 12 to the Colts and 19 to the Chargers. It's a good defensive team. Zach Wilson, this is where it's going to get interesting with Zach. All right? And I agree with Artie. No Jets fans should be uttering the P word right now. All right? Keep it in the back of your mind. You know where to find it if and when you need to pull it out of the closet and say it, the P word. But you don't need to go there right now. Just enjoy what is going on. Enjoy four and two. All right. You have every right and reason to be nervous about going into a game that you should win. You should win this game today. If the Jets don't win this game today, it'll be a disappointment. And on the one hand, that's a good place to be. It really is. I mean, remember, it was two years ago when the Jets fans were disappointed when they won because they wanted Trevor Lawrence. Now, if you can get to a point where you're disappointed that your team lost a game that it should win, that is progress. It's all been progress so far. But the tricky thing is going to be coming up with Zach Wilson. And it it probably starts today. Um, How do you balance going after a playoff spot and trying to be a factor in the AFC with developing Zach Wilson? Because you've got to develop this guy. You picked him second overall in the draft, and outside a few pockets here and there, most notably the fourth quarter, two touchdown drives leading to the comeback win in Pittsburgh a few weeks ago. Outside of that, I don't want to say you're winning in spite of him, but you're not winning because of him. All right, You're winning because of your defense. You're winning because of your special teams. You're winning because of your running game. Zach Wilson is not the reason that you have won the last two weeks. Two weeks ago, you got a little fortunate against Miami, already facing a backup quarterback, and then he gets knocked out early, and you just take it to the third-string quarterback. And in the second half, the running game really got going. And last week, you, you faced a Green Bay team in disarray. The quarterback and the wide receivers are not on the same page. Again, a huge 
running effort from your own team. You get the special teams touchdown. The Packers could manage only 10 points. That's how you're winning right now. All right? But you don't want, in his second season, the former number two pick to be a game manager. That's not why you pick him second overall. All right? So at some point, you've got to kind of, you know, take the training wheels off and have this guy try to do a little bit more for you. The problem with that is a lot of times when that is done with young quarterbacks, it is done at the expense of winning. So how are you now that you're in this? And I don't think anybody expected the Jets to be in the middle of the playoff picture a third of the way through the season. But here they are. And again, a winnable game coming up. And this is a huge game today because the next two games, yes, they're both at home. Uh, well, the next three games, you got New England, you got Buffalo, both at home, and then you go back to New England. All right? Those are your next three games. Very difficult. New England is starting to find itself. All right? But if you can get to 5-2 and two today, you are squarely in the playoff picture. Right now, you are winning because you're not asking your quarterback to do too much. But you that's not any way to develop a quarterback. You want to see him do more. That's why Trevor Lawrence took some strides at the end of last season after they had gotten rid of Urban Meyer, they didn't care whether they won or lost. They weren't going to win anyway. So you allowed your number one overall pick to kind of spread his wings a little the last few weeks of the season, and his productivity improved. And at the beginning of this season, Lawrence was a better quarterback for it. Zach hasn't gotten to that point yet because injuries have derailed him a couple of times. So he's about a half a year behind Trevor Lawrence. He hasn't had the opportunity to go out and kind of spread his wings, quote-unquote, in games that you're probably not going to win anyway. Now you've got this young kid squarely in the middle of games that you've got to win because you need to go to the... uh, Let me rephrase that. You want to go to the playoffs. And you have a chance to go to the playoffs right now. But if you let Zach cook, as they say, you know, if you let him do more and take on more responsibilities and pour more on his plate, yes, I think it helps for his development. But in the short term, it doesn't necessarily help you win games. So that is going to be very important to see how Robert Sala and this Jets coaching staff balances the development of Zach Wilson with this team trying to continue to win. Because you've got to find out what you have in this kid. All right, you can't have a number two pick turn and hand the ball off 40 times and throw 15 passes a game and think you're going to learn anything about him. You learn something about him in the Pittsburgh game. We really haven't seen much from him in the last two games. So at what point are they going to ask him to do a little bit more? This This is the Pat O'Keefe Show. Jets in Denver, 405 kickoff. Pre-game coverage begins right here at the top of the hour. But first, let's go to Ryan in Pearl River. What's up, Ryan? Blue 23, blue 23. All right. And first of all, can I just say something before I get to the football? Judge interfered with Beta last night. I mean, come on. If you cut in front of somebody. Right. If you cut in front of somebody, you're supposed to catch the ball, not like act like a defensive back and stuff. I mean, it's disgusting what took place. Listen, I had a caller, and I'll let you get to your football. I had a caller say that's always the center fielder's ball, and it is 100%. But look at Bader and look at Judge. Judge is literally twice his size. First of all, and I said this earlier, Judge has to know that Bader's going to get to that ball because Bader is a gold-glove center fielder. And secondly, Judge has to recognize that he's not your average right fielder 
in terms of size. No center fielder is going to want to run full steam into Aaron Judge. So he's got to know those two things. I'm not absolving Bader. He dropped the ball, and he's got to be more forceful in his call. But Judge was equally culpable in that error. No, nah, old judge. Judge cuts in front of him. You catch the ball. He screamed. That's why he didn't see the ball. And uh, he dropped it. He didn't drop it because he can't catch fly balls. You either get either his son or somebody screams you running in front of you causes that. Just like the guy la- last week in Atlanta with the uh, relay. Nobody backing him up. But anyway, with the Jets, um, uh, this team, if the offensive line is gelling, that's the most important thing. I know you, you're talking about developing of a quarterback, but listen, he's back there. He's 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 taking he's taking the snaps. They are winning, but this is my caution to everybody out there. There are Cinderella teams out there because there are no great teams that that I see right now. That there's a lot of teams with decent records, and they're just playing, hovering around 500, or teams that we wouldn't expect to have winning records have winning records. So you got to wait till about week 10 or 11, and then we'll see the golden slippers returned, and we'll see who really are the cream of the crop. That's the way it's going right now. Look, you're in you're in the arena right now. All right, you're you're a, a important piece of this puzzle. You're playing meaningful games. You're not an afterthought. You're not chasing a draft pick. You are strapping it on every week, showing up and trying to win that game and trying to move up the standings and. That in itself is progress for this franchise because it's been about five or six years since that was the case, Ryan. Right. Listen, the Jet fans don't want to hear any of that. They want W's in that W column. I understand it. You know, I'm going for the Jets. I want them to win. But I'm also being realistic now. At a certain point in this season, some of these teams that look good now aren't going to look good. They're going to just going to come back to reality. And that's just a fact because there's a lot of teams that are not that good right now. If Wilson develops and he gets turns into a better quarterback and he's throwing the ball all over the place, uh, that's what we'd like to see. If you're down by two touchdowns, you really don't want to be running the ball. You want to have a guy who could start swinging the ball. That's what you're looking for. Let's see him develop into that. But I'm telling you, some point in this season, a lot of these teams are going to be returning those golden slippers. If people don't know what that means, that means they're really not that good. No, it happens every year, Ryan. This, this is the Pat O'Keefe Show.